0: Well, I knew what our scheduled travel was going to be like. And, and when I was younger, I would just go ahead and prepare to preach as soon as I got back. Um, but I'm learning to pace myself better. And um, so I was deciding what, what would I do. And, I, uh, and our son, Chris, had been sharing some things that God had put in his heart a while ago. And as they've been growing in his heart. And I figured, you know, I want to give you an opportunity to share that with the congregation. because It's very much in line with what God's put in my heart. And where we've been going. So, you're going to hear from a feffer today, but it's not this one. So, it's going to be Chris, would you come up and bless the people? Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, church. Good morning. So, I've got 45 minutes of announcements. So, just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Nudge your neighbor. Did he say 45 minutes? We may get out of here in 45 minutes, but good morning. And what Pat, just to add on to what Pastor John and Miss Anita were saying, too, is, you know, being in another country and not speaking the language, but that communion to one another. I mean, I'm going to steal a phrase. This is not mine. But love is our native tongue, isn't it? Isn't it great? So, boy, yesterday I was outside in the sun doing some raking and said, boy, this is beautiful fall weather. No, it was beautiful. This morning was fall weather, right? It was freezing. <laughs> so we're heading into winter. So, but anyhow, I'm usually the behind-the-scenes guy. Um, that's where my comfort level usually is. So, I don't think I'm a fish out of water right now. But if I do start grasping for air, please help a brother out here. Um, I wanted to before I get into the message today. I, I I have this notepad in my desk, and maybe it's called a, a dude's diary or whatever. But it's it's um, I write some things down that are just I title it usually called a thought drop, and anything out throughout the week. Uh, If something's in my spirit or just the lunch I ate or something, just a thought that I have, I'm like, i got to write this down maybe for future references. And one came uh, Friday uh, morning. And again, I'm a little slow to things. You guys already know this stuff. But um, we know, I mean, this is what I wrote down. You know, time is such an asset, isn't it? Right? All right? And I know the phrase of spending time, but really there's two types of time when you think about it. There is that spending time, and it's very easy to do that at times, Right? But then there's the investment of time, right? There's really that investment. And that investment of time doesn't guarantee you more time, but it certainly can guarantee you a quality of time. So I would just suggest, you know, uh, throughout your day, are you investing in the time you have? Are you investing in the space that you have to increase the investment with your relationships with friends and family, certainly with God? I mean, that's a given. And even, you know, leaving yourself a legacy to those around you. What are you doing? you know my my quirky spending time analogy would be and i've done this be sitting in front of the tv and watching the latest murder mystery on netflix you know all 35 episodes in 2 days you know with 10 bags of popcorn and we're human we do that but that's spending time if we can be honest you know and doing that so i just want to leave that's what i call a thought drop i write these little notes down and um Hopefully we can take something away, but you guys probably already knew that. So, I did want to uh, mention two other uh, messages that I have brought, not because I'm self-absorbed and thought they were great messages, but I think they connect to what I'm going to talk about today um, because everything is. I mean, Christianity is not a static position to be in, right? We just saw a video that it's always in motion, right? Christianity does something because of the love of God in our hearts. Um, but the last message I had talked about was called Dissecting Distractions. And the reality is that a lot of our long-term baggage we hold on to, and myself included, when you really boil them down and dissect them, they're just simply distractions, right? And the Word talks about that throughout the Word, all about these types of distractions that the enemy places in front of us to not allow us to live the full potential that God's called us to be. The other message I did was called Born Into the Fight, Whether you liked it or not, whether you had an altar call in here or at somebody's kitchen table or in the car, when you became a Christian, you were born into a fight, right? Our souls, our spirits have already been won by what Christ did on the cross and we're going to heaven. But every day is a daily fight because we're called to influence those around us for Christ and build his kingdom. And Satan digs these little foxholes around us sometimes where we fall into them and sometimes take residence in them because Satan says it's comfortable down here, whether it's fear, anxiety, different things in our life. And he feeds these lies that it's comfortable down here. You don't need to be in the fight. The problem is God ain't there. He's in the battlefield with you. And if you stay in the fight, you will win. So that's just those two messages uh, that I talked about t- before. Today I want to talk, I'm going to move around a lot so I don't fall asleep, Um, Today I'm going to talk about construction sites, all right? When I say construction sites, I don't want to talk, I told you I'm moving around, I don't want to talk about material construction sites, there we go, I want to talk about spiritual construction sites, what God wants to do in you. When I say construction sites, Gary, what comes to mind? Uh, Building, doing some work in the building. Building something new, maybe? Yeah, wow. Ron, you're close to me. What do you think when I say construction sites?
1: Backhoes, concrete. Sounds messy. Yeah, it's messy. messy.
0: Noisy, maybe, right? When I think construction sites, I think congestion, traffic, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. But as Gary kind of alluded to, building something new in you. That's what God wants to do, is build in you. You know, when you became a Christian... Um, You didn't join something. You adopted a daily lifestyle of something you need to lead, and it's called Christianity. It's a daily lifestyle. And God really, his perspective, wants us to pursue him every day, not coast towards him because, believe it or not, it ain't a downhill journey that we have in life, right? You have to pursue him. There has to be force and tension with our time, like we said, and things like that. But the ultimate perspective, I think, in Christianity of what God wants from us, you know, all the things we do are fine in the name of Christianity, but he just wants us to come to him through our pursuit, rest in him in every area of our life, and through that rest, he can clothe us with his righteousness. Imagine being clothed entirely in God's righteousness. Imagine the influence you are with the people around you at that time. Imagine that. You would organically build his kingdom. You don't have to set up a tent revival in your backyard. You're living his lifestyle that he's called you to be, and you're clothed in his righteousness. And you can do that because you would be resting in him. So if you get anything out of today, not the fancy graphic, not the neat title that I came up with in two minutes... Of construction sites but understand God wants you to come to him and simply rest in him for every area of your life and what we're gonna talk about right now is where the construction needs to be had are areas that you ain't given up to him yet basically where he wants to flood you construct in you his work in you so you can finally rest in him okay so I may be secure in my notes, so follow along with me. I mean, even, but here's, and I'm jumping around a little bit here, I guess, but, I mean, even in Paul in Romans 7, he talks about, you know, why do I do things that I don't want to do, but yet don't even do things that I should do as a believer. This is Paul, a Paul This word apostle is in front of him. So we wrestle with this this gap daily of this 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 why can't we put everything in God and rest in him? Why can't we do that? Because as a lot of us know when we were born again our spirit and our heart changed but our body and our mind didn't all the time, right? And that's kind of that the, the different things of what we have to deal with daily. It's because we were bent into a sinful world, simple as that, right? So that that constitutes that gap why we can't rest sometimes in certain areas of our life. So, basically what, as we had mentioned earlier, you know, how to, it's a construction site that he wants to build in you, right? But he doesn't do this imminent domain stuff, right? He's not just going to take over your heart. God, right? Because he's given you a free will to make your own decisions. I mean, that's the blessing outside of salvation. I mean, he trusts you with the power of what you can do with your heart. So you have to come to a place when you're seeing different things in your life that might need to be changed to align to his word or to where you want to be where you can rest in him. You have to come to a place and just say, God... I have to give you permission, give you a permit to set up a construction site right around my heart, hang the sign out the front and go to work, right? So I have I do have some scriptures today we are in church, right? Yeah. So, but I'm going to do something a little different. I don't want to read them. So I'm going to have some of you guys read these scriptures. They'll come up on the uh, video screen or you can read on your word, but I need a wing person here who wants to read some scriptures. There's only, there's only three or 30, you know. That's, they're in English, too. All right, so I'm going to lean on you, TJ. Can we give TJ a hand already? She stepped out. All right. So I'll point to you when we do that. That mic is live. So I don't whisper in John's ear or things like that. People will hear you. All right, but we're going to start you off, though. So obviously, there's some scriptures that we're about to see and read and hear that have to do with this gap. Because the great thing about this is obviously we know there's a gap because of our sinful nature, right? And, and why we can't rest with God in certain areas. But even better, God knows already, right? He knows who we are. He knows our heart. Um, and these scriptures are going to start talking about that and what we can do to come closer to them. So the first scripture is uh, Romans twelve two. if you can bring that up, I think. All right, TJ, rock and roll.
1: Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect.
0: Awesome. Thank you. So there's, the, there's an instruction right there. Don't be conformed. Okay? That's good advice, right? But transforming yourself. And we know this stuff, but that's part of that... Closing the gap in your rest of where you want to go with God in life. Uh, Philippians 2.13.
1: For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him.
0: So, I mean, how clear can we get? I mean, he's looking to work in you. You know, this is something that he already knows, like I said earlier, that gap that we have. And Matthew uh, 7, 17, this is where Jesus gets real specific about things in us that may not need to be in us.
1: A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit.
0: So pretty clear, guys. You don't need any many different translations in here. So again, there are things in us that he wants to get out. And what we're talking about today is letting him work in us through a construction site to build something new in us. So I really want to talk quickly about two different angles today. I want to talk about a person that needs to have God work in their life and is agreeing agreeing for God to set up a construction site in their heart. And then the second part of this message is I want to talk about us as a church community. What's our responsibility here? Crickets, crickets, right? Yeah, no. So, I want to talk, exactly. So, we'll get to that. Um, so, I had, uh, there, I had read an article and there's a, um, a psychiatrist, can I say psychiatrist in the church? Okay. There's a psychiatrist out there that found that there's really five human needs and drives that we have as humans. And they are God designed, but remember, we're born into a sinful world, right? And probably most of these five things that we're about to show on the screen, um, Probably two of these are things we can identify in our lives because usually two of them are predominant But these are areas that slowly become more self-centered as we grow in age instead of God-centered Okay, can we put that graphic up? It's the one with the wait until you see the kid on this graphic. Come on. It should be in there now I sent you a graphic No All right, okay It was neat too. It had a guy on it and this little baby boss guy in a suit and so, all right, well, I did write them down. They may find it. So these are the five that we'll talk about today. Um, One is certainty and security. If I'm an individual that is driven or has a need to be absolutely certain in life and have security, what is my life going to look like mostly? I'm the edge of dull and boring, but you're not going to be doing too much in life because you're never going to take risks in life. And unfortunately, it can lead to some self-assurance in life where you become your own self-advisor, self-God, or whatever. So although God has designed this part of a need, not under God, it can be a bad thing. And you're not growing much, I would think, if you're a person like this. The other, Thank you, Mom. Uh, The other thing... The other thing was, um, I told you she can do four amens tonight. Um, You're on number two, right? So the other one is uncertainty and variety. So the complete opposite, which, hey, I'm, I'm kind of a this, I mean, just see what happens, you know, sometimes. I can take that road too. The only problem with variety and uncertainty is you tend to get less anchored to one thing in life. Um, And that's where a lot of the world is and and different things of like, oh, this might work, this won't work, every wind of doctrine, everything like that, you know, may come around and you're not even anchored. So the other one is uh, significance, crickets. (laughs) In today's culture, that's quite big, right? We want to feel like we're significant in everything we do, right? Which is good, but when it's self-centered can be self-destructive over time. The other one is love. The new thing is love is love. I don't know if you've heard that. That brings so much boundaries to things. Love is love. What is love? What are you loving? I mean, so, but that is, that's out there. And even to the other extent, love can be more of a feeling than it is a decision to some people. And that gets dangerous too. Because if I felt you haven't been loving me, man, we ain't going to hang out. You know, that has nothing to do with it. You know, these are decisions in love. And even sadlier, and it is very tragic, and hopefully majesty of God can come and intervene into this, and that's why youth groups are so important and different things in the church body and church community, but a lot of our young people, only young people, not you guys, yeah, only our, uh, but our young people are learning that it's more valuable to be significant than to receive love. I mean, just look at social media sometimes, Right? So that can get dangerous. And then the last fifth one is contribution. I want to contribute to everything. You know, sometimes it's related to significance. But I want to be the person that fixes everything. You got a problem, get me involved, I'm going to fix you. You know, and sometimes we go over boundaries if we do that sometimes. So these are, again, five human needs and drives that we have. But that can, over time, be self-centered and not... God-centered in our lives, designed by God, but we're bent when we live, we're born into a sinful world. There are many more, and I do want to get into one more, is more of a suffering issue. Um, you know, and suffering, suffering and pain are two different things, but that's a whole other message. Pain needs more of a healing, but suffering can be changed a little bit with the latitude change up here. But this, the idea of suffering with the idea of fear, it's self-centered, right? Not saying you don't need to, you know, worry about things, but in reality, does it control your whole day, your whole week, or your whole month? I say fear because everything kind of revolve, most things revolve around that. Offense, that's that's basically fear-based, right? Anger, it's fear-based. Hurt can some degree be a fear-based, but it can relate to pain. Why? because you're losing something. You feel you're losing something, and that's a fear thing. So we hope even in this area, God could even help build a construction site up in that. You know, our culture nowadays is certainly, I'm gonna blame the culture a lot today, but our culture nowadays is certainly more focused on product than it is process of anything. So we're talking about a construction site. It ain't gonna be completed overnight. Okay, these are things that take time. Um, you just look at the culture and how we, we elevate certain things, movie stars, Tom Brady, occasionally, you know. They didn't get there overnight. There's a process to that, right? <laughs> you know? So if we were going to say, you know, all right, Holy Spirit, you've been dealing with me. You know, i got to work in these areas. i got to let you work in these areas. I want to give you a permit to work and build a construction site around my heart. Start putting the fence up. What does it take to do that? It's a D word. It's a good word. It's not awesome. It's a decision. You see, a lot of us, not in this room, but I mean a lot of us are just, you know, due to pain or disappointment or just plain laziness, we don't understand how we have underestimated the power of a decision, right? See, the decision's you make are more significant than any condition you'll meet. I'm going to say that again. The decisions you make are more powerful than any conditions you will meet. Power in a decision. God gave us the free will to do that. Some of you may, and especially some macho men and, you know, not that I try and be, but I'm never close to that, but some of you some men, some women want to just are not wanting to even have God work in their life because they're not comfortable. That's okay. He knows where you are. And I attribute to that, don't worry, I'm not working myself out of a job. I contribute to this to religion and church to some degree. You see, religion and church has done a phenomenal job showcasing accountability in everybody's life. Did you read your Bible? And these are good things, please. Let me say it again. These are good things. Did you read your Bible? Did you hold your door open for Aunt Susie? Did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? Did you, do this? Did you do this? Accountability, we've been awesome at that as a church and a religion, right? What we have not done to let comfortability come in is vulnerability. We have ignored it for many years. it is. It is. Because last time I remember, Jesus didn't come up to everybody teaching in the sand or wherever he was, rolled up his thing here and said, all right, you guys got to meet me tomorrow and I'll tell you the message. No, he dived right into people's lives and he said, you do need to be accountable for certain things. But he met people where they were at so they could understand the accountability that was important to follow. But as a church, and we're doing better here, we are, but even we just don't understand that vulnerability and accountability is that healthy environment to build people to the potential God has called them to be. So let's just talk about some, uh, I'm just going to overview a few scriptures. So TJ, you don't need to do anything yet, but if I was, so I've decided to, you know, have God build something in my life. You know, what does that look like? Obviously it's a lot of prayer, but it's really a lot of focus, too. You need to know that I'm committing to what I've just le- allowed God to do in my heart and is doing now. You need to be focused. My illustration here is the fences are going up like a real construction site on my heart, and I'm going to let him work. You do need to put a hard hat on because it's not easy all the time, right? You know, some scriptures, so if I was, I was dealing with issues with uh, significance, I would probably learn to live in David, King David's world in the Psalms, right? I mean, he was on a roller coaster, feeling significant for himself, for his people, for God, I and mean, that's something you can live in. Fear, I would find scriptures that always confirm that we serve the Prince of Peace, right? The other thing while you are in a construction site, it is very important, and it's very important if you're not in a construction site but to exchange expectations every day for thankfulness. that changes the world upside down. Again, we're learning to rest in him. That's what all the drills are out for if you're on a construction. And we're learning to trust and rest in him more. The other thing that is vitally important is to get wisdom along the way. The construction site I'm on, which I'll share later, if we have enough time, As I had to get wisdom real quick because I just because I had a hard hat on, I thought I was the foreman of this site, and I wasn't. I need to let God take over. So we in James one five it talks about wisdom. TJ. James one five. Anybody see James? TJ, you got it in your word? You got the Bible right there. All right, I'll keep talking. When you do it, just raise your hand. But yes, wisdom is extremely important. We have it? Okay, good. TJ. All
1: right, here we go. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking.
0: So that is key. Again, even with that vulnerability we talked, talked about, the unknowns while well, God's working in your life of, I just don't know, is this even worth it? Ask for wisdom, and he'll give you wisdom along the way. Uh, the other important thing is, you, and it's really the first phase, is learning to submit, not to submit on Sunday after the song saying, I surrender all but the, <laughs> can't even talk, that's all, folks. The submitting that is actually a sacrificial submit Because there's too many degrees of submitting. And this is a sacrifice where you are laying it all on the line and submitting to the Lord. James 4, 7, if we could have that up there. Thank you.
1: So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you.
0: Awesome. So in that submission, that's, that's a great... Example of, because if, if you're submitting, obviously it's identifying that the devil will be around, right? So when you submit, the devil is probably the most closest to you than he's ever wanted to be. Because he once tears you down um, in doing that. Another thing when you, you are, um, you know, letting God work in your life. Is he going to revolutionize myself and my personality? I'm going to lose my personality, you know, my DNA of what I, who I am. Um, I know for me it was, uh, God, am I going to lose my unique sense of humor? But then he was quick to say, you ain't going to lose something that you never got. So it's like, okay, all right, I guess, okay, I'll be quiet. I'm not a foreman here. So, But you won't lose your personality at all. You won't lose your DNA. It's just going to be more under the grace of God to shine for his glory. So this stuff about self-help and all this stuff, submit it under God, and he will bring it more to a higher place than you could have done yourself a long time ago. So Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. This is, this is just a beautiful scripture. I love this.
1: But God mm. is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much.
0: So in that construction process, that's fine, that's all we want to do. Just, I mean, that's such a great reminder. He's doing this out of love, right? So there may be some of you, I'm coming down. There may be some of you that you've agreed and given him permit to begin to work in you, but there's a lot of demoing that needs to be done, right? So what does that look like? So f- permission to enter your mind is an illustration here. So I can see, you know, the gates are up, your construction's going. Don't worry, Dan, I'm not gonna hurt you. <laughs> and you see this big wrecking ball coming into your sight. All right, just wiggling around like, oh! You know, but then it turns around and what the, the words on that wrecking ball are love, L-O-V-E. So every time it hits that demo, Denny, I love you so much that you can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Denny, my son, every step of the way to Calvary was thinking of you. The love, that wrecking ball that can hit and down will be, and I'm not going to try and get for Clem. It's overwhelming because at the end of the day, that's our connection to God because he loves us so much. So every time that swings, the overwhelming compassion of God is doing its work. Another important part, Proverbs uh, 4.23, that we need to do against our heart, I believe. Proverbs 4.23.
1: Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life.
0: You know, in the construction site process, you know, the fence is up, you want to have friends around who, you, who can encourage you. You don't need the friends or Aunt Matilda that's looking over the fence every week and's like, how's that going? How long is it going to take? You two, this is God. Do you know who you are? Those are lies, but you need to guard your heart, as it says. Romans 8.28.
1: And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them.
0: These are just, again, scriptures to go over when you're in this construction process. So some of you may say in the room, you know what, I've been a Christian for so many years and I've never had the Holy Spirit really, you know, talk to me and say, Jim, you got to fix that in your heart. you got to do this. If you're looking to rest more in me, you need to do this. And that's okay if you haven't heard him. That's that's completely fine. But I would hopefully pose this to you as if you're in that state and haven't heard much from God. I would ask you to do an appraisal or a comparison of where you are right now. Comparisons are all right if you're resting in him. If you're not, it'll become, you'll just go down rabbit trails. I'm not doing this right. You're doing that right. But if you're resting in him, honestly ask the question, Lord, am I in the same place I was a year from now, a year prior? Then you know what you got to do after you ask the question? you got to listen. <laughs> Stop talking. <laughs> Comparisons are not bad if it's resting in him. We had the uh, utmost pleasure of watching Molly last week because I didn't go to Mexico. I'm allergic to sand. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I did not go, but I, we watched uh, our family: Jennifer, Emma, and John. We watched Molly, and Molly's great. She's a great dog. I know you've heard about it. And it's just, how many pounds? Eight pounds? Six? Okay, I'm sorry. I was. I was. Okay, six pounds. So she's great to watch. The interesting dynamics come in when we have we have this other thing called a George. So George is a 110-pound English lab. We had to pay extra for the English. It comes with the attitude, the stubbornness, and whatever. So them together, I mean, that's, it has its, its moments. But here's my point of everything. We knew George was a big dog. We see him every day. He's a big dog, you know. And Molly and George don't get together much. But the first night where we were there, we were eating dinner, and they were hanging out in the kitchen and I walked in, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, George is a big dog. <laughs> I said, guys, stop what you're doing in the kitchen. Come look at this. And I'm like, what, what's going on, Dad? I said, he is a big dog. And this is a simple illustration, but my point is we live with George every day until the comparison that comes beside him, we don't realize how big he is. That could be true of God. You don't know how big he is sometimes. But the comparison is not a bad thing to say, Lord, I'm not hearing from you. Where am I now than I was a year ago? Some of you may have started the construction uh, site, but you halted the project. Life happens sometimes. Pulls you down, you get unfocused, and and God is not going to overrule your heart. So he says, okay, we'll back off. If that's the case, that's okay. He knows where you are. Repent and repeat. Get back in the game. Okay? I do want to, thank you. I do want to read a song. I am not singing it. I am reading a song that I think will help you if you have, like I said, had, you know, a construction site that you just said, you know what, I walked away. It's too noisy. It's too messy. I'm out of here. So let me take, I mean, I got to check my voice first okay it 's a song by unspoken, so just meditate on these words i'm not i 'm not reading the whole song, but it 's called His Love is the Reason. If we could pull back the curtain of heaven, we would see his hands on everything every hour, every minute, every second he 's always been in it i 'm gonna try and ooh don 't let a shadow of doubt take hold of you, hold of you to what you already know. He put that hunger in your heart. He put the fire in your soul. His love is the reason to keep on believing. When you feel like giving up, when you feel like giving in, his love is the reason. He's the peace in the madness that you can't explain. He's the hope in the heartbreak, the rest in the suffering. He's closer than the air you breathe. From the start to the end, to the in-between, don't dare doubt. Even for a minute, what he started in you, yeah, he's gonna finish. So just really, you have to, please. So just rest, begin to meditate on even a song like that, the scriptures, the teaching on specific areas of what God wants to deal with you in your heart and set up his sight on. Um, the good thing is that all construction sites have the same, one common denominator, right? No matter big or loud or whatever they are, they all have a completion. That's the goal, right? So that is the goal and the hope that God gives us. So that's if you're in a construction site. I did want to go to my second angle here, which was, so if we have people in the congregation, you know, that have decided to have God really begin to work on their hearts and lives, what is our responsibility as a church community, you know, to do, right? Right? You know, our role is obviously to be supportive, especially when people are under construction. There was um, there was this critically acclaimed movie that came out in 1984 called Muppets Take Manhattan. <laughs> right? I'm a big Muppets guy. Um, and in one, of the, the whole premise of the movie is the Muppets are going to Manhattan to sell a Broadway show that they have produced, and pretty much the whole gang's there, and they find find employment and refuge in a diner there in Manhattan. And uh, there's a part in the movie where Kermit, Kermit the Frog, in case you don't know, Kermit the Frog has disappeared. He's gone. So all the fuzzy characters in the diner, which by the way, when we just did the cafe, I had to take a food safety licensing thing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if anybody would hire animals for a diner, that wouldn't work well. But anyhow, my point was that the diner owner, his name's Pete, and Kermit's gone, and there's this pivot, pivotal scene <laughs> where Pete in his broken English is trying to reassure Miss Piggy and the clan why Kermit's gone because they think he just abandoned them because the dream ain't going to work. He, he's, he jumped overboard, and he says a simple thing. He's like, He's like, the world goes around, people do what they do, and people's is people's. And it took me a while at that, my early age of, what, 20 or something? Yeah, that's funny, whatever. But meditate on that more. What he's talking about in translation is that why are we so surprised when people are people sometimes? Again, we have God in us, and we're Christians. But sometimes we overdo this in church. The reality is we're all people. People will disappoint. People will do different things here and there. People will do things that surprise you. But by the end of the day... God has created us as people, right? To love. Sometimes, as Christians, okay, I'm getting a little harsh, but I'm talking to myself. So let's just say I'm having my own conversation. Sometimes we need to get over ourselves as Christians. We really do. We really do. For us to reach, and I'm not even talking about reaching the lost, I'm talking to reach everybody in this room. We have to get over ourselves and realize that life is so precious and we make mistakes, we go on, but through God's grace, that's the pivotal point of everything. A healthy reality that I try and stay with is to always walk in humility and always know I have to gain understanding in everything I do. I'm not there yet. But if you can do that, you're able to really influence people around you and do what God wants you to do in life. It is. Well, we're about to get to that. Now let's go to John 13. See, good timing. John 13, 31 through 7. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. John 13.
1: As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory, and God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will give his own glory to the Son, and he will do so at once. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I am going. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Amen. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord? He asked. I'm ready to die for you.
0: All right. Thank you. So there's a lot of different things going on here. I mean, Jesus is telling the disciples that he's out of here, right? And, but, and then he says, some, but he would only say that if he had something equally important to come behind that. He says, I'm out of here but I have a new commandment for you. And isn't Peter funny? He's he's basically, where are you going? No, no, I just said a commandment. No, where are you going? (laughs) It's just amazing the dynamics that God was so, or Jesus in this indication was so clear that this is so important. I'm leaving you, but my commandment is that you love one another. And even how you show it amongst that is how the world sees you. That's a whole other message in itself. We're talking about this room right now. Okay, so do you mean I have to love the annoying, (laughs) the loud that don't come up from air when they're talking, the self-centered that trip you mentally on the way into church, all these people, what do I do with them? Love one another, right? So us as a church community, it's pretty darn clear that we need to come beside everybody and love one another. I think there's two, two reasons that I can think of why the, there's a gap there where we come into church and, um, you know, it's usually an express, hey, how you doing in the hallway, and I'm, I'm guilty of this. So it's like, hey, how you doing, and you're still walking. It's like, well, all they can say is fine. we are already halfway out the door. So, but being more time-sensitive in church of, of really relating. We say, oh, there's so many people in the room. One at a time, right? Whoever God puts in front of you to influence. But there's really two gaps of why I think we have challenges to do this. I'm not leaving the room, but I put something over here Friday. Is it still here? Ah! So there's two things that can happen when individuals get in their way and things like that. Could you hold this for a minute? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I just want to make sure I'm in the right room. Okay, thank you. Hey, actually, Mr. Booker, could you hold that? All right, cool. Now, this is a gavel. Everybody knows what happens with this. Could you hold this for a minute, sir? So the judges use this to to finalize a decision and, and thank you, and and judge people, right? Okay. But I'm in the right room because I just noticed that every each and every one of you didn't know how to hold it. So you're not comfortable judging people. So that's pretty good. So I, that we're in the right room. But this is one of the biggest gaps that we can have. Why we don't reach out and encourage and support people that are on a construction site in our congregation is because judgment that we want to have on them before we don't even know their story, don't even know if they're having a bad day, even though technically there's not a bad day if two feet hit the ground. But you don't know anything that's going on in their life, yet the gavel could come out real quick and boom. You think of our society, we have that expressed judgment flourishing around. And it's led to this, this new, not new, I mean it's still self-centered, but this new truth about individualism in everybody, right? Because I can define my own truth so I can do my own judgment. And isn't that, that where we're heading is, is, I mean, it's biblical, but it's, it's wrong. We have to be different than the world, okay? Because that individual eventually leads to Islands, people living on their own islands, isolated from getting health that they need. Now, I do know a few islands. I've been on one. They have nice palm trees, you know, nice sand, a beach chair. But there's still isolation, and they're alone. And I just heard a few moms say amen. So, uh. But they are. They're alone. A lot of moms would love to go seclude on an island. But, but in the community here at large, as a church... You'll get that later. But a community at large in the church, we can't figure ourselves as being isolated. The other thing, the second one that can continue the gap between us and helping people on their construction site within the church community would be complaining. It's rampant too. I do it occasionally. Complaining. Complaining. Complaining just about every people. I mean, it's just like, oh, she's not wearing the right thing. He's not doing that right. Oh, he didn't wave at me. Those are complaints. Those really are at the end of the day. But the problem with complaining is it narrows your mind. It very much narrows your mind. And God's a big God. He's not going to get in your little mind and try and manipulate that to see the big picture of things. That's all up to you and what you need to do. Right? First Corinthians, uh, First Thessalonians, five, eleven. TJ, doing a good job.
1: So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing.
0: Don't need yeah. to even comment after that. First Corinthians, fourteen, twenty-six.
1: Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues, and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you.
0: So we all have these different gifts that God's given us, and they are what they are, right? They're called gifts. God gives them to us. We don't own them. Um, but it's talking about the healthiness of the body there and, 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 and encouraging one another and what we need to do. You know, I, I try and say this little prayer, you know, at least once every year. <laughs> but it's, you know, in my prayer, it's like, Lord, break my heart whew, for what breaks yours. Yeah, right. Imagine if we can live that out. Man, all these issues we live in, pff, ain't got nothing on you focusing on God and what his heart is for, you know? God's church is in the people business. We can't get around that, right? And I don't want to be insensitive, but Satan's victories are definitely when people have never heard the gospel. But closely behind that, Satan gets excited, if he can, about Christians... That may be a, and I'm not being insensitive, a basket case up here and heading to heaven. Because you ain't influencing anybody for his kingdom. And we have to come alongside that and nurture that and, 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 and be with these people that need help, that have construction sites going on. Anne Frank said this once she never knew of anyone becoming poor by giving. Zig Ziglar, you may know this quote. No one has ever become, uh, see, that was the last one. You can have everything you want in life if you just help enough people get what they want in their life. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? You can, you tell me to say again? Yeah, okay, I can do that. You can never have enough, well, no, you can have everything you want in life if you just help enough people get what they want in life. So again, back to the complaining too and how it can really narrow our minds. Here's another quote. I'm stepping on my own toes, I think, here. So the great Eleanor Roosevelt said this once. And you need to meditate on this. Great minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss events. Small minds discuss, thank you, people. It's not an insensitive quote. It's just if you you think about the environment and just people's narrow-minded focusing on people and complaining about people. You know, in leadership and believe me I'm not an expert in that but I try every day when I am is um you know it's very easy as leaders or even servant leaders if you're in your business place of work or whatever is to very easily uh get disappointed in people. They let you down. And we as leaders and servant leaders and God's been working on my heart too is we need to learn to manage disappointment. We're grown adults, right? So we need to learn to manage things like that, especially because maybe the person's disappointed because they're about to start a construction site in their heart, or maybe God's working on them, different things. Um, Hebrews
1: 3.13. You must warn each other every day while it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God.
0: So there may be a point where we're, we're rubbing shoulders against something that's in a construction site, and biblically it may talk to us about bringing some of that accountability. I know I said accountability earlier, but that's coupled with vulnerability, because you're in their mess with you. You need to be them with, be there with them. So as I mentioned you know at the beginning, just really meditate on the idea: what are you doing with your time? Are you spending it? Are you investing in it? You know, God wants us all to get together. I know Pastor John says this over and over, but it might be coming a reality soon that all we have is Jesus and us, right? We've got to get along. We really do. So let's look at me. I know you're already looking at me. So what's the construction site I'm under? i got one going on right now, right? And I, like I said earlier, I'm not the foreman of it. God's working it in it, in me. Uh, growing up, I had uh, two wonderful parents. You may know them. Um, don't worry, I'm not unveiling something here. But two wonderful parents, and it was a very, it was a family of love, you know, and protection. And uh, most of the kids turned out okay. Um, but with that being said is, um, you know, I was able to, to learn, you know, in parenting and, and receive the love. But what I ended up taking, and this is just me, this had nothing to do with my parents, I took more of that tough love and ran with it. Because that to me, that was love, tough love, you know. And that's fine and dandy, but then when you bring that over to your new family, that you have a wife and kids, what does that look like there? And then even in leadership, when you have people... You know, serving with you. What does that look like? So God would kept hitting me over the head saying, I need you to understand my love. (laughs) You know, and and would you let me build a construction site on your heart and hang that sign out? I said, All right. I need to see the plans first. So visually in my prayer time, he, he rolled out a whole bunch of plans. And he says, you can't see all those. But you can see this first page. And he's, you know, I just was meditating on what I believe he gave me, which was 1 Corinthians 13. So in my construction site I'm going on right now, this is part of my blueprint that I read, if not daily, weekly. So again, remember, tough love, which is good at times. You need that, believe me. Sometimes, but it ain't everything, right? So it tells me this blueprint says love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It does not, it is not proud. It does not not dishonor. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. As I say that calmly, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never. So that's my blueprint I'm working on. And I think that's all I got. Now well, we're going to get out of here a little early today. So, thank you. we just pray though real quickly. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving us. And it rings so true. There ain't no gift like the present tense, Father God, where we are right now. And thank you that hopefully this message tonight has touched different people's hearts because with your Holy Spirit in this room, you know where each and every one of us are and you can speak differently to where we can hear, Father God. I just pray that if there's those that know that God needs to work more on their heart in certain areas, Lord, Lord, overwhelm them with this concept. Overwhelm them that it's something that when they look in the mirror, they know they have to do. And then fill them, Lord, with your unconditional love so they will give you permission to work in their life. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing today and moving forward and the gift of these people in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. I know most of you are in this room, but You don't even need to bow your heads. I want to be straightforward. Do you guys, is there anybody in this room that doesn't know Jesus and have a personal relationship with him? I know today we talked a lot about our Christian lifestyle, but it reaps into you. God God wants to extend to you his love right now.